0: from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined by Matt McLean out in lacrosse. And we're getting near the end of the preseason. We had the third preseason game, which we've been told is the most important test of the preseason. It's kind of the closest you'll get to a regular season simulation uh, before the actual season begins. Also have some roster moves to talk about, and we are going to talk some fantasy football as Matt and I just had a draft in our league, and I'm sure many of you have had drafts in your league uh, in recent weeks so we're going to talk about some of the sleepers and surprises and some other things you might be able to expect during the upcoming fantasy football season uh so with that let's bring in Matt McLean out in lacrosse and uh Matt Let's get right into this third preseason game. Uh, My song choice was a little bit indicative of my feeling for the game. Uh, Obviously, it's good to see them actually win a preseason game. But as my song choice shows, my impressions were uh, a little bit guarded. I thought I saw some good things, but at the same time, uh, certainly some things that concerned me. How was uh, your impression?
1: Yeah, and I can say... Coming into this game, I don't think I've ever been more anxious and worried coming into a preseason game. It didn't—it didn't have the regular season feel to it, but you know, it just—it actually felt like it mattered, which a lot of these usually don't. But after how bad they looked the first two weeks, it, it was really nice to see a little bit more. Um, obviously, the offense looked great to start the game and and did their job when they were in there. Rodgers looked great, but like you said, you know, it was awesome to see a win like that to you know handle their opponents basically. But there's still a lot of things that scare me to death with this team. Uh, which which we'll get more into it a little bit more But I mean mainly the backup offensive line when Graham Harrell was in there would, Continues to be atrocious
0: Yeah, I, I mentioned on Twitter during the game uh, Last week Aaron Rodgers had made a remark that he felt Graham Harrell wasn't getting opportunities to prove how good he was Because of the lack of effort coming from his teammates And I thought that was kind of ridiculous uh, But then during the Bengals game uh, I started to kind of believe that that line of thinking because it looked like he was... He had no opportunity to do anything out there, especially the last two or three drives. And I think even McCarthy realized it, leaving him out there into the fourth quarter when he wanted to play B.J. Coleman just to see if they could get anything going. And then I believe he was sacked again on another third down without, you know, hardly any time to do anything. So, did you think uh, Graham Harrell was a victim of his teammates? Well, it's it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, obviously if he's getting pounded constantly.
1: It's it's really hard to judge. I still think he hasn't looked good enough. There's been plays where he's had time and. Maybe he's, you know, feeling a little skittish from getting hit so often back there, but he has he's still, in my mind, hasn't been good enough. But again, it, it's hard to judge completely, fairly, considering how bad the line has been. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not sure if they're still going to be, you know, or even if they have been looking around. I know McCarthy said that he's seen improvement, and I know we kind of are having a hard time seeing it just with how bad he's been playing, but apparently they've seen things they liked. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it kind of sounds like they'll be hanging on to him as the second stringer, but... I, I guess I haven't heard anything else different.
0: <laughs> That's kind of how I feel, too. I'm sure they'll evaluate their options uh, after this next week and especially before the first regular season game, but uh, I don't know. I know we had this conversation last week, so we don't need to go into detail with that, but you're, you're playing with fire a little bit, I think, with Graham Harrell as your your only option uh, if something would go wrong with Aaron Rodgers. And even, I think we talked about worst-case scenario more last week, but just think of 2010. Uh, I know they lost that game, but... But imagine if you have a situation where you do need to win one game to to win a, a playoff spot, or to win the division, or to get a first round by. and you do have to count, you have to count on Graham Harrell for one week. And now we were talking about you know trading and what would happen if Rodgers would get hurt for an extended period of time. But even if Graham Harrell has to play one game, I mean that could drastically affect the season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and. It- it, just from the looks of it so far, it, it might be different with
1: the you know the better offensive line which we've discussed here. But it just it doesn't seem like he'd be able to do much of anything with this offense. Obviously, he'd have a ton of weapons around him to throw to, so uh, you've got to imagine he'd look a little bit better. But it, it's hard to imagine with you know our defense not really being able to carry its own weight here the last year and probably again this year. Mm-hmm. How is a guy like Graham Harrell going to come in and you know carry the offense enough to, to win a game if he has to play? it?
0: Yeah, you'd have, to, you'd have to get luckily unlucky, I guess. You'd have to have yeah. Rodgers get hurt against a, a very specific opponent, be it <laughs> maybe Minnesota at home or, or, or somebody like that, maybe yeah, Indianapolis, Jacksonville. But if it's anybody like uh, Chicago or the Lions or something, uh, uh, I don't like uh, the chances of the Packers in those games. No, not at all. Uh, But you did mention the defense, and I thought they looked uh, vastly improved against the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday. I know the Bengals are not a great offense. They've shown flashes of being good, but they were pretty – run-of-the-mill last year, and certainly they have things to be excited about going forward with A.J. Green and Andy Dalton, but uh, I thought the, the first-team defense looked very good, uh, applied a lot of consistent pressure. Uh, Tremont Williams looked outstanding, only allowing one catch for A.J. Green and I believe, six targets. So I think uh, maybe not the best test to give a final assessment for the, the defense going into 2012, but certainly uh, improved compared to how they looked in the first two games, and certainly compared to last season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They looked considerably better last week than they did throughout the preseason so far and even last year. But like you said, that's not nearly a big enough sample size for me to start feeling comfortable with this defense. But Jermon Williams has been incredible so far this preseason. He's been absolutely shut down corner. So you got to imagine he's probably not going to get thrown at a lot this regular season because we still don't know who's going to be on the other side. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the defensive line hasn't really been too impactful so far. They played better last week. I don't know about you, but I guess i I'm kind of surprised at how little of an impact we've seen from Jarrell Worthy so far. I kind of expected him to come in, and with the lack of depth there, just kind of really stand out, and we really haven't seen that so far.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I've been trying to watch him specifically because I had really high hopes for him. Obviously, him being a Big Ten guy, uh, we got a chance to see him up close and personal on a number of occasions, and maybe it's his being his first camp, and I know a lot of times, especially along the line, those guys tend to struggle when they first start out. But he just really hasn't uh, shown much of anything out there, and maybe you have to watch the tape a little bit more closely. But they're relying on these guys a lot, and that'll be something we'll talk about in a few moments here. But there's not a lot of options on that line. If Mike Daniels and Jarrell Worthy can't produce, uh, this line's going to be every bit as inept as they were last year at creating any kind of pressure.
1: Yeah exactly and on top of that also not to you know beat the same point into the ground but that second cornerback position still open although they looked better you know on Thursday I'm still really scared with this defense and it almost seems like they might even have the potential to be not as good as last year because they it seems like to me anyways like they may have even lost some depth with Bishop being out and obviously the safety position and corner position as it is you know I, I hope that that's not the case but I one showing against the Bengals in the preseason that is not making me feel any better about this defense right now.
0: Yeah, we saw flashes of improvement, but I, I you know, I hate to do this, but I, I have to agree with that. Uh, imagine if they're not improved uh, over last year, but they don't force the kind of turnovers they do uh, last yeah. year. I mean, <laughs> but anyways, uh, let's just talk about real quickly. They made some roster moves in the last few days. Obviously, the big one was Anthony Hargrove being released last Friday. Uh, also, some other people that really aren't notable, and then today they released uh, Jarius Wynn, and then they made some other moves, uh, most notably putting Desmond Bishop on injured reserve, which will effectively end his season. So that's certainly unfortunate. I know everybody kind of expected that when that injury happened, but we're hoping maybe they'd find some kind of option to bring him back late, but that doesn't appear to be the case. Kind of what we talked about is that I want to take a look, having lost somebody like Jarius Wynn, who seems like a very solid, productive uh, guy, certainly not a guy you're going to start week in and week out, but a guy you could survive with uh, on a week-to-week basis if he was needed. Uh, Hargrove doesn't really bother me. You're going to lose him for half the season anyways. Uh, But now we're left with uh, 10 guys on the roster for the defensive line Uh, We have Philip Merling, Mike Daniels, uh, the rookie out of Iowa Lawrence Guy, Daniel Muir, Mike Neal, who will miss the first four games from a suspension Ryan Pickett, who's banged up B.J. Raji, C.J. Wilson, Jarrell Worthy, who we just spoke about And Johnny Jones, Uh, that's your 10 defensive linemen for the Packers How do you feel about that depth right now, Matt?
1: It's scary. I mean, that's paper thin. And a lot of these guys, we don't know the names yet because we haven't seen them perform in a regular season game. So maybe they can make us feel a little bit better. But it's kind of hard to, to imagine, you know, like you said, a guy who's been solid at least in there with Jarius Win, But they must have seen more from some of these younger guys. You know, why not keep a younger guy who's performing the same as him if, you know, if the, the older guy. But, mm-hmm. other, yeah, other than that, nothing too shocking with the cuts to me. Uh, Hargrove having to be out eight games. I guess that that doesn't surprise me with that. McCarthy doesn't like to have guys who he can't use, and like you said, with Desmond Bishop being on the IR, it kind of reminds me of the Super Bowl year a couple of years ago when they started IRing all these guys that had potential to come back at the end of the season. Yeah, well, so it's
0: Ryan Grant.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this this kind of seems to be the trend with McCarthy, and we're seeing that this is what he does. Is you know the same with kind of with Hargrove? That same thought is he doesn't like to have guys taking up roster spots that he can't use. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I guess it's not too surprising. If he was able, he probably wouldn't be able to come back until maybe a postseason run, anyways. And you don't know if you want a guy who hasn't played all season coming in and getting exposed in the middle of the defense. So mm-hmm. uh, nothing too surprising in this first you know round of news here. But I'm sure we'll get a couple next week that we aren't expecting. But yeah. uh, for, for right now, nothing nothing too shocking to me, anyways.
0: I guess you touched on a nice subject there that maybe we could talk about real quickly. Uh, how do you feel about that strategy that they've shown over the last few years where they, they seem to send guys to IR pretty preemptively? Uh, maybe I'm not in the, the trainer's room with them, but it seems like putting these guys, like especially Ryan Grant and, and some of those guys in, in 2010, and then this year putting a guy like Desmond Bishop, who admittedly the, the prognosis was pretty bleak for him, but there was a chance that he could have returned. Putting these guys on IR uh, in favor of opening a spot for a younger player, how do you feel about that? I guess I won't
1: second guess it. I, I personally feel like the the 52-man roster needs to be expanded as is, mm-hmm. um, and that there should be more roster spots on teams for players. But it, it's so thin right now, and you see teams like the Patriots using guys on offense, to play defense, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's you know just scraping for players to suit up every week just to fill needs, and so I guess. I I personally don't have a problem with it. I I remember in 2010 I was a little frustrated that Grant could have been back and you know maybe Finley would have had a chance to play towards the end of the year but couldn't, Mm -hmm. and a couple of other guys that season. But I I got to admit I mean McCarthy knows what he's doing. He's proven that so far. I I guess I don't have a problem with it. It would be nice to have a guy like Bishop back at the end of the season, but again, what are you going to do for the first 16 weeks of the year or maybe even more if he can't come back? Mm -hmm. So I guess I don't have a problem with it personally.
0: For me, I I don't know. I I understand what they're doing with it. You don't want a roster spot that you can't work with at all. But a lot of times when you're IRing guys like Desmond Bishop or Ryan Grant, it's like, are you really going to get that big of a contribution from some of these other guys that you're keeping instead? And and that's kind of the thing. And maybe it's more of an emergency that they're doing it for, that they need that roster spot. But couldn't you do that once that situation arose? I just feel like some of these guys that they want to keep around instead, um, when they IR these guys, just... I, I, it doesn't seem worth it to me, to be quite honest with you.
1: I can I can see where you're coming from, but I, I guess I still kind of stand with what I what I thought is that you need that roster spot. It's just so slim, you know, the amount of players that you can suit up and have on the roster that everyone is extremely valuable, and most teams use nearly every guy that they have suited up during the course of the game, other than maybe some backup offensive linemen who obviously you need for emergency purposes anyways. So I guess I'm going to disagree with you there. I just think that you have to have these roster spots available just for when you need to bring guys up.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, um, Definitely uh, some, some different ways to go about it there, and I don't know if maybe there's a right or a wrong way, but so far uh, Ted Thompson's seem to always uh, make the right move more often than the, the wrong move, so maybe I'll just let him do his thing and uh, hope he does it uh, as well as he has in the past. Um, I guess let's move on to, to the big thing that I kind of wanted to talk about, which was the first team offense, and I know you praised them pretty highly uh, in your quick little intro there. What did you feel, I guess, uh, more in-depth now about the first-team offense's performance against Cincinnati?
1: Well, obviously the thing that I think stood out to everybody was it was nice to see Cedric Benson suited up, ran hard. Obviously he's going to have a little bit of extra motivation against Cincinnati, but you hope to see that throughout the regular season too, I would imagine you would. I mean, his legs are going to be fresh, he's not going to be getting a ton of carries, so that was nice to see, You know, just somebody running hard and breaking through tackles. Uh, was great, and obviously the receivers look good. Randall Cobb looked good. Jordy Nelson looked great again. All these guys look good, and we're doing this without Finley right now too, who's you know obviously one of their top three weapons out there. So mm-hmm. they look great. I mean, and, and who I guess who needs a running game when Rogers is running for two touchdowns a game too, <laughs> doing it all himself. But and he looked fantastic out there. It was great. Seeing him get out of the pocket, but still keep it safe and slide when he had to, and go into the corner of the end zone when he was trying to score rather than get run over. But I. Honestly, everything looked pretty good to me. There wasn't really any glaring weaknesses that stood out with the first team, in my opinion.
0: Okay, yeah, I think I agree with the overall sentiment there. I thought they looked a lot better. Um, I think that the point I'm going to disagree, and I mean, I haven't brought it up that much on this show. I think people who watch games with me uh, realize I maybe I'm a, a tough person to please, but I'm still a little bit worried about Aaron Rodgers, and... Obviously, as we've said in different times on here, that Aaron Rodgers, not at his best, is still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, but he doesn't look quite like he has in the recent past so far to me. And I know he had two rushing touchdowns, and they had some really good drives, and I think the first-team offense put up 17 points out there, which is good against the playoff team in their building. Uh, Granted, I don't think a lot of the Cincinnati Bengals fans knew they had a game that night, um, but he's still just... I don't think he's connected on a deep pass other than that Jordy Nelson tough catch that he made against the Cleveland Browns. He just seems so off on so many things. And I know that was their first game with Jennings. They haven't had Jermichael Finley yet. But he's just, he missed that on that Jordy Nelson boot play-action pass right down the middle. That's like automatic. And Jordy was open. The ball didn't get there. And then he overthrew Jordy by 10 yards against Cleveland. And maybe it's just he's established and there's not very many guys there and he's playing it safe. But I went back and I was looking at his preseason stats, and I know we talked about this a little bit last week, about how fast Aaron Rodgers has started. I went back and looked at all of his preseasons, and the interception he threw against the San Diego Chargers this year Was his first preseason interception Since his fifth pass attempt of 2008 He went 198 passes without throwing a pick in the preseason uh, In 2008 he had a 103 quarterback rating In 09, 147 In 2010, 141 Last year, 130 This year his quarterback rating is 53.8 Which is 0. .2 lower than his 2005 quarterback rating was uh, Statistically is from a completion percentage standpoint and uh, from a quarterback rating standpoint he was better in 2005 as a rookie than he's been in the preseason this year and I know you're not supposed to put too much into a preseason number but this to me this is the equivalent of if you're taking your practice test for your SATs or your ACTs or something and you take the practice test, and you're used to get 90s, and then you get an 80. You're not too worried. But this is the equivalent of him taking a practice test that he's used to getting a 100, and now he's getting an F. I mean, it's just such drastically different than what we're used to seeing from Aaron Rodgers. And if you remember last year, he had two quarterback ratings below 97, and they lost decisively both times. So if Rodgers is not as good as he was last year, with a lot of the question marks on this team, this team might not come close to our expectations for them. Okay, and
1: I can see where you're coming from. I guess personally I've, I'm 0% worried at this point with him being able to just turn on the switch for the regular season. I, I think it's just because we've seen him so consistent throughout his career so far that I'm, I'm not worried at all. But I, I know what you're saying. He's had a couple of bad misses, which he normally never has, um, including the one last week here. And that interception that he have, had was just awful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, again, it's the preseason. I know you like to see him play better, and it is kind of it is kind of weird that he hasn't played you know, up to his normal standard so far. But I guess it, it doesn't worry me at all at this point. The only thing that maybe worries me a little is that he hasn't had much time with Jennings and Finley so far in this preseason and, and off season. So that might be something to keep an eye on the first couple of weeks is him getting accustomed to having those guys back on the field. But I think in terms of him, his accuracy, what he's going to do on offense, I, I'm not worried at all. I think it's going to be right where it's been, despite you know kind of the the lack in production so far here.
0: And I hope you're right, and, and he's a very good player So I, I don't think he's going to be as bad as he's been In the preseason, but just the fact that it's So drastically different, really is Starting to get me concerned, this isn't a guy Who's used to going, you know A 90 passer rating in the preseason Now he's getting an 80, his average Including his 05 06 and 07 preseasons His quarterback rating for his career 05 through 2011 in the preseason Is 113, he's at a 53.8 right now His uh, completion percentage is less than 50% when his entire preseason career he averages almost 70% completion percentage. And maybe, like we've said before, maybe he's just just trying to get some rapport with these guys who haven't played that much, but it's just so drastically different that I think it's a number that can't be completely ignored, which I feel it is being uh, right now amongst uh, people watching and covering the Packers. Okay, so that's our thoughts on the Week 3 preseason game for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, wrapping up the preseason this Thursday against the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, hopefully we can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, Mike McCarthy probably would like to see it too, considering he is 1-5 in five in preseason finales uh, in his career as a head coach. So that's what we have to look forward to this Thursday at Lambeau Field. The final tune-up and the final opportunity for many of these guys to stay in the National Football League. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the goings on in the NFL this past week a little bit. Um, I know there's one you wanted to talk about particularly, Matt, and that's the retirement of Brian Westbrook, uh, of course, the longtime Eagle, and then uh, more recently the San Francisco 49er. Uh, what were your thoughts, I guess, on the career of this guy who the Packers uh, certainly saw a lot of in the 2000s?
1: Yeah, I feel like we were really lucky to, you know, kind of see this guy a lot. Maybe we we didn't feel that way when he was playing us because he was constantly torching us, but I feel like this is a guy that we need to recognize. Um, He's retiring today as a Philadelphia Eagle. This is a guy to me who's you know, most likely going to be kind of forgotten as history goes on here and the NFL moves forward without him, just because the numbers probably aren't there for the Hall of Fame. But when he was on the Eagles for those few years when they were making the NFC Championship every year, he was, in my opinion anyways, their best player. Um, he was the guy every time you played him you had to worry about. He was to me, one of those players that was elite at their position, and to me, that's kind of a Hall of Fame qualification, I know it is for you too, one of our main ones. The only thing, you know, I feel like most people probably won't consider him for the Hall of Fame, just because the longevity wasn't necessarily there, the rushing numbers probably weren't there, but to me, when you look at a guy who was elite at his position, and one of the best, and a guy you had to game plan for every time you played him, this is, you know, the guy on that team that you had to look out for, you you weren't worried about Todd Pinkston coming in. and. <laughs> If you ask me, this guy was more valuable than McNabb was when they were making those runs. So I, I just think it's a guy that we need to, you know, just kind of appreciate what he did. And we got to see him, you know, from the wrong side of the field generally when he was, you know, beating us down and breaking our hearts numerous times. But the guy who had a great career, and I, I, I think if he were to make it into the Hall of Fame someday, I wouldn't be too upset about it.
0: Yeah, I think you brought up some great uh, comments about Brian Westbrook's career, and I, I echo most of those. Uh, I think. He was just a really, really good player, and I know he had injury problems, but um, he, he was a fun guy to watch too. And I know I started to appreciate him more kind of towards the end there with his run in Philadelphia when the Eagles weren't quite as good. So he he was definitely a very dynamic player, and out of everybody like uh, Matt said, out of everybody on Philadelphia, he's the one who really scared me. And and I think uh, hopefully he gets recognition from those in Philadelphia. I'm sure they won't forget him, but. He's one of those guys that, unfortunately, is going to be very, very good that, uh, unless you watched him play, he's probably not going to make a huge dent on the entire history of the NFL, but those who got to watch him certainly enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, he's probably not going to be a Hall of Fame, but I'm sure he'll be an Eagle Hall of Famer, and that's where he belongs. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Eagles were one of those teams that you just hated to play against back then, and he was the big reason why.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some other, uh, I guess, uh, real quick, and it might be the uh, forced retirement of another player, Terrell Owens got cut by the Seattle Seahawks this past week. A lot of busy things going on out in Seattle. What do you think the future of Terrell Owens is? And if this is the end, uh, some quick comments on him and his career. Okay, well, I I thought that
1: he looked good enough this preseason. I know he had a lot of drops, but physically looked good. And Pete Carroll said the other day, he can still play. He just can't play for us anymore. (laughs) So I, I think he's still good enough to maybe sign on with somebody here. Maybe we'll see some injuries. There's a lot of teams that have absolutely no depth at wide receiver that could Use a guy like him. I wouldn't sign him for more than one year because that's when he starts to get, you know, unhappy with his situation. But sign this guy for one year, he'll produce, he'll put some people in the seats. So I, I really don't think it would be a bad signing for somebody, and I really wouldn't be too surprised if he does land with someone. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if this were to be the end, he's a Hall of Famer first ballot in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I would say probably after Jerry Rice and in our last generation here is the second best receiver only behind Moss in their prime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, one of the best ever to play. Obviously, the personal problems are going to be, you know, a hindrance on his legacy a little bit, but he's still absolutely a Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I guess I didn't see enough of Seattle to really to comment on whether or not I think uh, he's got a really legitimate shot of playing somewhere else. Obviously, he's a big name, and like you said, there's going to be teams that are going to be drawn towards him just because of that. But if he is done, uh, i got to agree with you. I, I feel like he is one of the most underrated players probably we've ever seen. It feels like because of his attitude problems and and the fact that uh, he was at odds with quarterbacks that are popular in the media, such as Donovan McNabb and Tony Romo, Uh, I, I feel like he never really got his just due for how good of a football player he was. And sure, he could be an idiot at a lot of times, but I mean, some of these guys they want to put in the Hall of Fame instead, and then other people will say in the same breath that they don't want to put Terrell Owens in the Hall of Fame. Guys like Tim Brown, guys like Chris Carter. Like, did those guys ever put the fear in your heart like Terrell Owens did? I mean, it's it's not even close. Um, if he doesn't get put in the Hall of Fame because of his personal problems, I think it'll be uh, an injustice, and I think that the people who are voting should uh, really have their credentials reexamined. Yeah, I am
1: I'm sure a lot of the media guys don't like him, and most people don't really care for the guy, but there's no way you can ignore the production. He's you know, top three in almost every receiving category there is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely no way this guy doesn't make it to the Hall of Fame, either, in my opinion.
0: And staying in Seattle, let's talk real quick about the quarterback situation there, obviously of interest to people in Wisconsin. uh, Two guys with uh, a history in this state were going at it, and surprisingly, Russell Wilson, the former Badger, won the starting position from Matt Flynn, Uh, I saw only one of their preseason games, which was the first one, and I I certainly saw the statistics that Russell Wilson's been quite impressive. I still have to say I'm a little bit shocked by this. What was your reaction when you saw that Russell Wilson is going to be the starter over Matt Flynn out in uh, Seattle?
1: Well, I think when I heard this news this week, or just yesterday when it was, I wasn't shocked at all, but what shocked me was that... You know he was starting this third preseason game, and that he actually had a shot coming into the season. When they said that he would kind of be in the competition here, I didn't really buy it. You know, a third-round pick. He's five ten. You know, we know how good he can be, but still, you know, a third-round pick. There's no way he's going to beat out a guy they just paid a ton of money for, or a guy who was the starter last year. So I mean, that really surprised me. So, but with the way he played and carried himself in the first few preseasons games, he was dynamic. He was throwing the ball well, running the ball. I mean, he looked great. He looked much better than Flynn did. Not that even Flynn looked necessarily bad or anything, but to me, it's 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 more disappointing that Matt Flynn couldn't come out and take this job. I mean, he had he had every opportunity. I know he's a little banged up now, but you're the guy who got paid. You're you know you're not an incoming third round draft pick or an or an incumbent starter who hasn't really performed well. He was supposed to be the guy, and he couldn't hold off you know a third round draft pick. So, uh, to me, it, it's not really shocking at this point. If you don't do your job, a guy like Pete Carroll's not going to just throw you out there. It's, it was Russell Wilson's job because he earned it. I think it, it was probably the right call on Pete Carroll's part. I don't know. I, I feel bad for Matt Flynn. And, and part of me thinks when you're in a
0: competition with a guy like Russell Wilson where, not that Russell didn't earn it, but certainly... It's going to be harder for Matt Flynn to look spectacular than it is for Russell Wilson to look spectacular. Because Matt Flynn's yeah. not going to be running for any 35-yard touchdown runs. He's he's not going to be escaping from some impossible pressure and throwing a strike for a first down like Russell Wilson's going to be. It, it seemed like a really small sample. And I don't know, I, I think it's just weird that he would be named the starter just three preseason games. And it's not like Flynn got... they pretty much played Flynn about as often, maybe a little bit more often than we've been playing uh, Aaron Rodgers. It just seems like, I don't know if he got fully the opportunity to show how good he was. It felt a little hasty, in my opinion, to name Russell Wilson the starter. And I certainly hope he does well because he's a he's an awesome guy. He's a fantastic football player to watch. But it, it just felt like, what was Matt Flynn supposed to do, I guess, that would have equaled what Russell Wilson did, especially considering uh, Russell Wilson's, a lot of his action was against backup players. Yeah, that's true, and I I mean it, the three preseason games does seem like a small
1: sample size, but again, we weren't seeing what was going on in training camp either. Mm -hmm. I I guess I would just like to believe that Pete Carroll isn't going to just base this off of the three preseason game action, you know, action he's seen the quarterbacks play in. Mm -hmm. I just think there's probably more, and I think maybe Flynn probably was a little underwhelming in camp. It it is kind of surprising that they don't at least give him a couple regular season games to, you know, really see what he can do in that situation, but... Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they saw enough through training camp and through the games combined and that Flynn really maybe didn't earn the job in training camp and that Russell Wilson did.
0: Yeah, uh, taking a look at the stats real quick, uh, Russell Wilson, uh, 119 quarterback rating. Flynn's is only 56.9, 65% completion percentage, but his yards per attempt is pretty low. He had uh, one interception, no touchdowns. Russell Wilson had an interception and threw five touchdowns, but Matt Flynn only threw 26 pass attempts in the three preseason games. Uh, so that's that just seems really low for a guy you paid that much money to. Uh, that's half as many as Russell yeah. Wilson threw. So uh, oh. more power to you. I hope it's a really bad decision that you don't discover was a bad decision until after Monday night in Week Three.
1: Yeah, and I and you got to imagine Flynn will probably get a chance at some point this season, whether it's because of injury or just you know putting him in there. So he'll have a chance to prove himself. Yet I'm not too worried that he's you know going to be sitting on the bench now the rest of his career because of this. But uh, so I'm sure he'll get his chance
0: again. Well, if he is going to sit on the bench for the rest of his career, he should come back to Green Bay because we could, we could use him. Yeah, no kidding. Maybe he'll just, uh, they'll cut him real quick and we can just sign him back and all of our problems are going to be solved. (laughs) Yeah. We can only hope. Okay, so that's a little bit of a wrap around the NFL for this uh, second to last week of the NFL preseason in 2012. Right after this, we're going to talk some fantasy football, and uh, Matt's going to give you some of his opinions on the upcoming fantasy season. We just had our draft the other day, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit and some other things as well. So uh, stay tuned, everybody. Matt, we're going to talk some fantasy football, and I'm going to send it out to lacrosse. And Matt, it's all you.
1: <laughs> I didn't expect that to break into Mariah Carey. Pretty creative there. Alrighty, so I guess what we'll start with here is I just kind of want to start with a little thing that's kind of been bugging me lately. I think it seems to me that most fantasy players are starting to realize this, and you kind of see it in your drafts that you're in. But one thing that's really surprising to me is that when you still go on to you know places like ESPN or Yahoo and look at their rankings, it's absolutely bizarre to me that a guy like Drew Brees is going to be all the way you know ranked number eight Mm -hmm. I mean you look at this guy last year put up 380 points and he's consistently done it over the last you know five six years that he's been with the Saints I think you think pretty similar to me but how is a guy like that ranked number eight behind you know like a wide receiver and guys like Maurice Jones Drew and other running backs who aren't going to put up close to as many points I mean what's your thought on that?
0: I don't know. I think maybe it's because different leagues have inconsistent scoring for the quarterback is probably the only thing I could think of. But, yeah, even if a quarterback's only getting you four points for a touchdown pass, I still – how do you not pick a guy like Tom Brady or Drew Brees uh, ahead of a guy like Calvin Johnson or Ray Rice or something like that? I mean, even if it's four points to six points for a touchdown, you got to count that Drew Brees is probably going to have like twice as many uh, touchdown throws as a guy like Ray Rice is going to score. Uh, I, I really don't understand it at all. And even if you think a 100-yard rushing game for Ray Rice is a really good day, Drew Brees a 300-yard passing day. Well, I bet you he has more 300-yard pa- passing days than Ray Rice does. So, oh, yeah. I, so I guess I, I don't know. I, I feel maybe it's it's still kind of the myth that the running back does all, but I think that's becoming less and less, and the quarterbacks are just doing so much nowadays where that seems to be a very, very outdated opinion. I agree. Yeah, it it seems like the league is changing so much, but then you look at some of these experts'
1: rankings, and they, you know, Arian Foster's expected to go first. I, I can't imagine how you would pick a guy who's expected to score like 150 points less than Aaron Rodgers ahead of him. Like you said, I know points differ in different leagues, but to me, that's that's kind of a a bizarre thing to me, and it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, With that being said, then uh, what I'm going to do here is most people are probably you know finished with their drafts or there's probably a lot of people going into them the lucky ones here going into their drafts maybe this week or this weekend that you know know who's all injured who's holding out who's playing probably the best situation here so what I'll do is we'll kind of go through some of these players here and and you can kind of chime in too but I just picked out a few people who I feel like are sleepers towards the top of the draft as well as the middle draft and then some real deep sleepers at the bottom of the draft here so we had our draft already this weekend and one of the guys that I, I believe you picked this guy, and we were talking about it at the, at the time, but I think he's just going to have an absolute monster season, and that's Brandon Marshall for the Bears. And to me, this offense right now is, is primed for him to just have completely ridiculous numbers. I don't think it's going to be quite like Calvin Johnson was last year, because he's not quite that much of a deep threat, at least not to that level. But if, you, in my opinion, this guy could have you know 120 catches this year. I mean, he's done it the last few years where he just puts up over 100 catches every year and he's done it basically since Cutler left Denver without any quarterback throwing him the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think he's primed, he's really their only weapon, you know, receiving the ball other than Forte out of the backfield where he's gonna get targeted so much and he's gonna get the ball thrown his way all the time, constantly throughout the game, deep, short passes in the red zone. And I think this guy is just gonna, you know, he's probably a third round, fourth round value pick, but I think he's just gonna have, you know, by the end, time the season's done, some, you know, some huge numbers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he and Cutler look pretty darn good uh, in their preseason game this past weekend as well. So i I, I got to agree with you there. I actually got Jay Cutler. Uh, I didn't get Brandon Marshall. Oh, you but, didn't? Okay. Um, we'll, we'll have to see with that. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint... Uh, I think it's a a very good pick. Hopefully, it doesn't quite pan out from the yeah. packer fan standpoint. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I have him on one of my teams, but I still obviously I'm one of those guys that still obviously likes to cheer for the Packers in front of their fantasy teams. I know there's a lot of people who are different where they'll cheer for you know Adrian Peterson to score against the Packers when they play them. And mm-hmm. I'm... Completely disagree with that, and that drives me nuts. But
0: yeah, I sat on Christmas Day, sit in front of the Christmas tree, and watched Aaron Rodgers completely destroy me in the championship game, and I was still pretty happy about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think
1: Brandon Marshall is just going to have an insane year, and I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think he's just going to, you know, put up some crazy numbers. Some other guys that I put kind of in the same category, kind of expected to go a little less, and in the in the drafts that I've been in, haven't been going high at all. Uh, the first one is Deshaun Jackson, and I know the numbers were down last year. I was an owner of him, and he was extremely frustrating to have. He's such a deep threat, a threat across the middle to take any time he touched the ball and, and take it to the house. For To have this guy as a third receiver option is, is huge. I, you pretty much can't get anybody that value that at this point in the draft, in my opinion, that Deshaun Jackson is going to put up. And in the same lines with that, I think Jeremy Macklin, he's not a guy who I had noted here, but Jeremy Macklin is the guy who's always, if you get a chance to take him as a third, second receiver, he's always going to put up a ton of catches and a lot of touchdowns, too. Mm-hmm. So those Eagles receivers. One thing that I heard had heard today was that the Redskins had released Chris Cooley. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kinda of changes things to me and I'm glad I had picked Fred Davis before I heard this. That was one of the reasons I was hesitant because I figured he'd still be getting a lot of the balls and everything there. But with a young quarterback like Archie Three and, and Fred Davis really is an underrated tight end, I think he could put up some monster numbers this year as well. And he generally has lasted till the end of the draft in every instance that I've seen, so I think a great pickup there. And another guy that I know that we were talking about this the other night and you feel is too risky and you know he's always hurting, but I think Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson lasted, I think, until the fifth or sixth round in our draft.
0: Yeah, I don't have it right in front of me, but yeah, he, he lasted pretty long. I know that.
1: Yeah, and this is a guy who was expected to play week one, and he's been one of the best running backs in the NFL. So even in my other league, I picked him with my second-round pick. I think this is a guy who's you know great value, whether it's the second round, whether it's the sixth round, if you're lucky enough to take him. Uh, you know, he's got the chance of getting banged up, but I think that this is a guy that it's it's going to reward you if you take him because I I think he's going to come back, and he's going to come back with a vengeance. He's on a bad team. He's going to get all the touches, and I think he's going to put up numbers like he has in the past.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. They really have nothing else other than uh, Parsi.
1: Yeah. Okay, um, so let's move on here a little bit. So we'll go to the mid-round, and I won't go too much into this one here because it goes along with Brandon Marshall, but I thought that Jay Cutler is a great option to um, take. You can pick running backs, receivers, tight ends early in the draft and fall back on a guy like this, and I feel like he's going to put up some big numbers this year as well. He's got Brandon Marshall now. He's going to feel more comfortable. Forte is going to be back healthy. He put up pretty good numbers last year, and I th- feel like this is the guy that could be the next one to step into that big level where we saw like Stafford and Eli throw for you know 5,000 yards last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll get quite to that point, but I feel like he has the potential that maybe he could. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, RG3. We saw what Cam Newton did last year. So, I mean, this guy's got similar talent. He's got the running ability. He's probably going to put up some pretty big numbers. So, although you might not think of him having a, a lot of weapons around him, I feel like this is a guy that's going to put up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Um, and one last one that I had here for the middle of the round is this guy's been lasting pretty late, and I know he's ranked pretty low, but he's a starting running back with a rookie quarterback, and that's Donald Brown, uh, starting running back. So, I mean, he's going to get a lot of touches. He, he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. If this is a guy that you can take as maybe your third or fourth running back, um, has the potential to come in and, and you maybe even fill in for a starting role for you throughout the year if you have some injuries or you know on bye weeks and situations so
0: so you're saying that you think that i'm going to dominate our league considering that two of your mid-round sleepers ended up on uh on my team
1: oh you have donald brown too don't you yeah <laughs>
0: yeah so maybe you know if you have some injuries at the top of your lineup there you got some good backups there yeah well, well my um, other running backs aren't all that great i got uh, Ray Rice, and then uh, I think I took Cedric Benson really early. I wanted Packers on my team this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know about Cedric Benson. I, I had that. I drafted James Starks last year. You, you just have that mindset. He's a starting running back. He's gonna put up points, but he just didn't in the Packers offense. It's just not a position that scores. So maybe well, I got ben... Finley and Nelson too. So I think I'll get some points out of the Packers. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so the last little category I want to go into here was the deep round picks here. Um, another one that if you haven't drafted yet, Rashard Jennings is a guy who's going to be starting Week One for the Jaguars. Uh, he And you know, you don't know how long this lasts, or if you know maybe Mojo gets traded. This is a guy who could potentially be starting all year. Again, buying a pretty good offensive line, obviously, if they allowed Maurice Jones-Drew to rush for the league lead in, in yards last year, so not a bad guy to pick up near the end. Another guy who I really like is Santana Moss. To me, with RG3 at quarterback, he reminds me of those prototypical Baylor receivers he had last year that were just deep threats Mm -hmm. and Moss has been down for a while now but he hasn't had anybody to throw to him and to me this is a guy who's a deep threat and could kind of have that Steve Smith like resurgence this year if you ask me just got the speed still he's still a good player and he's one of their only real weapons on offense I'm still not completely sold on Pierre Garcon so I don't know what you think about that but I, I think Santana Moss has a chance to have a really big year this year with RG3.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly think so, and he's always kind of been parallel to, to Steve Smith, just their style of play and some of the physical attributes that they possess, and uh, I could definitely see that from him, uh, especially now that he's got more people to, to, to help take the workload off of him with a guy like Pierre Garçon. Uh, he's kind of been on his own and playing with Rex Grossman and John Beckton, guys like that, even you know McNabb, who certainly was a, a shell of a shell of his former self when he was in Washington. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think Santana Moss is definitely a, a good pickup, and especially, uh, you know, since he's on my team as well. <laughs> is he really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, and one of the last guys I had here um, was Daniel
1: Thomas. And first, before I go into this, really, I kind of wanted to talk about when we were going around the league a little bit, but with the recent developments with the Miami Dolphins, does this team has the, have the potential to go 0-16? Oh. They, they just look so bad on paper anyways. You're starting Tannehill at quarterback, a guy who wasn't expected to start at all this year or play really at all because he was so raw. Mm-hmm. And you have Jake Long just got injured, your best offensive lineman. They just traded away. Um, his, his name is slipping me right now, but their best cornerback this team looks so bad. I mean, this could be, to me on paper, this might be the one of the worst teams, and as long as I can remember it. Maybe I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but it just seems if Tannehill's starting at quarterback, I, I honestly think this team has a chance to maybe win one game or two games at the most.
0: Well, they'll certainly have a shot since they played Buffalo twice, um, and you never know what you're going to get out of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's the AFC, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be rough sailing down there for uh, Joe Philbin in his first year, which obviously doesn't help things either, being a first-year head coach. Yeah,
1: and so that leads to the guy who I was going to talk about next was the only part of this team that I really think is any decent, and that's their backfield. Reggie Bush gets a lot of pub, obviously. He's going to get picked higher in most drafts just because he has the potential. He showed last year he can get regular carries and, and succeed, but I think one guy that, that would be good value in, at you know, he can probably even get him in the last round, to the second to last round. Is Daniel Thomas? This is a guy they were really high on last year before he got banged up a little bit, and he was getting the majority of the carries. And I don't think Reggie Bush has shown enough consistently that you can really rely on him to be an every-down back. So. With this team not really being able to throw, they're probably going to rely a lot on the ground game. And I think Daniel Thomas is a guy that you might even be able to get him as a free agent. He might not even go in some leagues. But this is a guy that has at least the potential to get in and get a ton of carries. And and he's going to be their goal line back because Reggie Bush obviously isn't much of a banger down there. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like this is a guy that you could get at the end of the draft and he could really be of some good value if you know they're going to be just pounding the ball constantly, I have a feeling.
0: Yeah, I think you make some really good points there. Uh, hopefully they'll get close enough to the goal line to, to pound it in a few times. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's the only question is they might not even be able to get down there with what they have. Yeah. All right, so I'm, that's pretty much it. We're kind of in fantasy limbo at this point. I think a lot of the leagues have drafted it, but it's a little too early to really start talking about matchups for week one. So that might be kind of where we come in next week is week one's coming up. Everybody's going to have their drafts done. We're going to be coming in there. So if you have any questions on some guys you you can't decide between for starting, uh, we'll be happy to help you out here. Eric's an expert, too. He got second in the league last year. So I got ripped off. <laughs> so, I mean, give us any questions you might have. Uh, as far as when the season gets going here, considering we're going to be doing most of our podcast probably on the Monday or Tuesday after the games, Take a look at your upcoming week. If you have any questions for us, we'll help you out here. Um, so, but it's just to discuss. I mean, if you have things, you know, that you just want to talk about. Obviously, fantasy, at least for us, is, is isn't too serious of a thing. It's not life or death. So we just like to discuss and have some fun. So I mean, if you have some opinions, some guys you want to discuss, you know, who's better between these two guys or possible matchups, just feel free to hit us up on Facebook or through our email or even Twitter, and and just kind of let us know what you're thinking.
0: Yeah, and I think Matt provided you some really good uh, start-up for your upcoming drafts or even once the waiver wires open in your league. And If you want to get in touch with uh, us and ask some of those questions Matt was talking about, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, which is Green and Gold Forever Podcast. You can go to Twitter, Green Gold Forever. That's the number four on Twitter. And you can also email us at greenandgoldpodcast@gmail.com. at com. Uh and also check out our YouTube page, which is also Green Gold Forever, uh, just like the Twitter handle uh, where we have past segments. And we might be setting up uh an account on a new website that will allow you to access our archives in one place. So uh stay tuned for that as well. And hopefully uh we'll be able to have more details on that next week. So the preseason is almost over, folks, and then we're moving on to Lambeau Field and the Green Bay Packers taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Matt and I will be there in person. We'll be pretty excited about that. But wherever you watch it, I'm sure you'll have a great time too. So it's just a little bit of ways now, but we'll have one more tune-up podcast before the regular season next week. One last look at the preseason and a preview of the 2012 Green Bay Packers and hopefully their final 53 roster. So... Join us next week, enjoy the last week of the preseason, and get ready for the regular season. We'll see you, everybody.